Hi, this is ETF.com's Exchange Traded Fighters podcast, a weekly podcast covering developments in the ETF industry. My name is Sumit Roy, and I'm Senior Analyst for ETF.com. This week, I'm talking with RNA Nowak, who is the Head of Systematic Investment Solutions at DWS Group. RNA, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you. So, Arne, it's been a little over a year since the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law. That law, of course, came on the heels of the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act of 2021. Have we seen a significant increase in spending on infrastructure since those bills were passed? Uh, yes, Sumit. So, so if you follow the, the press, you can actually... Uh, read quite a lot about the different companies, in particular in the space of uh, of high electronics, semiconductors, and the likes, um, who are taking taking advantage of of the different incentives uh, for the purpose of of developing. Uh, you know, being European, I follow the European press quite a bit as well, and uh, and actually, you know, those acts have have made some waves over there in Europe as well because. Obviously, a bunch of European companies, in particular in the clean energy space, now see it much more profitable or much more much more advantageous for them to you know to build out something here in the U.S. than maybe it would be in the European homelands, uh, which which I think is is sort of leading to to different conversations, political and and economic conversations over there in Europe. So, I would say both of those have definitely made an impact on the companies on their considerations for their future plans. And I would argue, are, are as we speak, shaping the future um, of the U.S. economy and, and its compositions to a not a meaningless degree. That's great. So, so Arne, when people think about infrastructure, they think of things like bridges, highways, and airports. Those are the type of things that come to mind. But what are examples of green infrastructure? In addition to the, these obvious uh, infrastructure points, obviously, I would encourage listeners to also consider uh, you know things like the energy grid under infrastructure components and and the energy grid energy production anything in relation to that of course you name it uh, the transportation element is forms a big part of it as well and and when it comes to green infrastructure a green might be a little bit of a uh, of a, a buzzword here but it's it's ultimately uh, these are different segments that I would argue the vast majority of countries on this planet need to consider in order to make their uh, economies and infrastructure supporting those economies future-proof. So um, how can we transition uh, you know, globally and, and here in the US towards a higher utilization of sustainable energy production? Um, together in line with you know, the, the production of sustainable energy through, let's say, wind or photovoltaics or so solar energy comes a question of, uh, of networks, of utilization, because you know, the, the advantage of traditional energy sources, oil, gas, nuclear, is really that you don't have to manage around peak times in terms of production. You can adjust production to needed consumption levels. And really, that's uh, that's a that's really a new challenge that that renewable energy brings. You know, the sun. Uh, yes, the U.S. is a big country, and and the sun does shine very often uh, in some parts of the U.S. But there's also certain parts uh, throughout the day when you know, in particular at night, uh, when it's dark all over the U.S. So when that happens, essentially the production uh, grinds to a halt or comes down significantly. So you have in the production of energy. 
a lot of um, troughs and peaks, and uh, which will need to be balanced out through storage, energy storage. This is not something that is as important in the production of traditional energy with traditional energy sources, but highly relevant for renewables. So it's not only how to produce, but how to store energy when there's more being produced than is being needed at the time. Uh, and that can then be drawn upon when it's when it's needed, but it might not be available to be produced. So the overall transition to more sustainable energy production to a more, let's call it electronically minded transportation, potentially even towards a bigger utilization of mass transportation, uh, all of those are considerations that can fall within the the buzzword or the umbrella of of green infrastructure. Very interesting. So it certainly sounds like a wide variety of infrastructure has to be built and a lot of money is going to be spelt, spent building it. Do you have any estimates for how much investment in green infrastructure will be made in the coming years? Are we talking about trillions of dollars? Uh, yes, certainly, certainly needed, and and the es estimates are, uh, differ a little bit depending on what group you you listen to. But I would say, uh, you know, the the Jobs Act as well as the Inflation Reduction Act, um, both are very meaningful commitments by the U.S. Uh, government um, to to essentially make a very meaningful first step. Um, I would I would always argue, you know, as as someone I think who 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 sees life uh, generally a little bit more pragmatically, um, sometimes it's more important to take the first step to do something, and then over time, as you know, things develop, adjust further. So it's a little bit I I would not uh, you know claim put any claim to fame or, or otherwise claim that I have deep wisdom to know how much is really needed for a meaningful transition. I think it is something where a significant amount is needed to take the first steps. And then as the first steps transpire, as they are being pulled to completion, uh, we will know much better in terms of what else might be necessary. This is, uh, we're talking here about a fairly meaningful structural change in the in the coming years in terms of how our economy and and its need for energy and transportation is being met uh, in in terms of uh, significant shifts. There's a uh, there's a lot a uh, lot coming up in that sense. That makes a lot of sense. So RNA, I kind of want to turn to now a new ETF that you just launched. It's called the X Trackers U.S. Green Infrastructure Select Equity ETF. The ticker symbol is UPGR. You just launched this back in July. Can you tell us about the investment strategy of this fund? Yes, with pleasure. And thank you for picking up on that. It is one of our new launches. It's one of our new thematic ETFs. So as such, it has a relatively narrowly defined uh, investment strategy. And as the name would suggest, it's designed to invest in areas that we surmise under green infrastructure. So as I would say before, uh, you know, the topics of clean energy, production and storage come to mind. The, the, the topics of green mobility, green transportation uh, come to mind. But on, then also, um, you know, um, you know, the green elements are in terms of construction, you know, the, because obviously the construction sector uh, more broadly uh, has has a legacy of fairly meaningful emissions, uh, CO2 carbon emissions, and a lot of companies are revamping, rejigging their, their operating models to do this in a more sustainable way. So uh, we don't as such say this is, as people like to say, an ESG product, but is, is very much one that focuses 
on investments that arguably are needed to make the U.S. Uh, economy to uh, to a bigger degree uh, future proof, and and as such, uh, has a fairly meaningfully meaningful overlap with the two uh, acts, the Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Acts that you that you mentioned before, and as such, we're hoping is is a very timely addition to the to the market. Uh, we called it uh, UPGR or upgrade uh, on on purpose. Uh, I personally quite like the tick. I think it's, uh, if I may say so myself, uh, quite clever. And and we're hoping that uh, that this topic and theme finds applicability with a number of of advisors and and our our clients. And of course, as as usual. If you uh, if if this rings a bell, if you if this piques your interest in some way, I would uh, I would very much appreciate for you to get in touch with us, and we can walk through the nitty gritties uh, in a one on one conversation. Absolutely love the ticker. So, could you tell me, RNA, how this ETF compares to some of the other ETFs that are targeting similar themes that are out there? Things like clean energy ETFs, energy transition ETFs, environmentally conscious ETFs. There are a handful of other ones out there. How does your fund compare to those? As as they say, I, I personally don't uh, like the reference too much, but the devil really is in the detail. Um, because when, for example, if we look at the comparison with clean energy ETFs, um, then really the, um, the response is that uh, UPGR is likely to be significantly broader than clean energy. Clean, clean energy is one subcomponent of UPGR, uh, but not... Uh, not uh, the main or, or the exclusive one. So I would say uh, see see it as a bigger umbrella uh, that captures more themes that uh, that are likely required for a renewal or or, or transition of uh, of the U.S. infrastructure. When we compare to um, let's say broader ESG ETFs, some of which we also have in our range, even uh, ETFs that have. Uh, carbon emissions or the climate in to some degree in embedded in the investment strategy, then UPGR is likely to be more concentrated because it's not a broad benchmark product, but by design, it is a thematic product. So uh, it has a predefined list of uh, sub-themes that, that fall under the umbrella of, of green energy, uh, sorry, of, of green infrastructure, including green energy, um, and then focus is on focus is on that. So as such, it's a fairly concentrated portfolio of 50 stocks. Uh, the index equally weights. So if you compare to any broad benchmark index, the like of S&P 500 or, or similar, uh, Russell 1000, then uh, our fund UPGI is expected to have a fairly significant a tracking error and and active share because of the high level of concentration, and then uh, last but not least, if we compare ourselves to traditional infrastructure funds, we also differ in a sense that we UPGR isn't constrained by let's say a gigs or ABIX definition of which company falls within the infrastructure industry group or infrastructure sector, uh, but really looks from a revenue generation at the exposure that companies have to the individual sub-themes. So rather than a broad classification that we follow, we have a, a, a revenue look-through on the underlying companies and that determines companies' inclusions in our portfolio. Gotcha. So in addition to UPGR, you launched another pair of thematic ETFs in July, one focused on semiconductors and one focused on cybersecurity. Everyone now knows about NVIDIA. Obviously, that company is dominating the market for chips that power AI applications. But I'm assuming that your ETF, the X-Tracker Semiconductor Select Equity ETF, 
isn't just about NVIDIA. It's about the broader investment opportunity in chip stocks. So I'd love it if you could talk about that and talk about how the CHIPS Act, which passed last year, plays into the investment thesis for the CTF. Yes, and, and I appreciate you bringing that up because, uh, let's say, philosophically speaking, the the rationale or raison d'être for our for that ETF for where the ticker symbol is actually chips C H P S is very similar in a sense that clearly as you already pointed out under the Chips Act the semiconductor industry the production thereof as well as the the sourcing of of needed materials and resources for the production of semiconductors has been identified by the US government, but 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 by several governments across the across the globe as being of strategic importance uh, for the future. Relatively easy to see why that is, because really nowadays uh, semiconductors or the, the little chips that are semiconductors are really used in, in almost everything uh, that is being produced. Uh, it's not only in mobile phones, but it's it's in it's in kitchens, it's in general household electronics. Uh, when I say kitchens, I mean I mean actually refrigerators. But so therefore, it's it's all over the kitchen, even in new hobs. Anything when you think about you know the buzzword of uh, of the Internet of Things, really you know speakers in your house that uh, that take your commands and then and then you know switch on or off the lights or generally everything that is designed to make our human lives, everyday lives, more simple, more easeful is likely to contain uh, semiconductors. And so as such, uh, the need and demand for semiconductors has really skyrocketed. When something has such a critical position in the economic cycle, in the economic value chain of pretty much every major economy in the world, it's quite natural that that almost becomes a highly coveted commodity that you know likely companies will think about how to nurture and protect their own industry in that space uh, through legislation and similar as we said before for for the for for upgrade or for the for the um, future proofing of the US infrastructure uh, we see the semiconductor industry to be one very specific and incredibly important subset of that and and therefore you know, we see a lot of investors that are interested. There are already a number of semiconductor ETFs that have been launched in the past. And therefore, you know, our thesis here, other than upgrade, which is really a new thesis and really a new product to market, CHIPS, uh, CHPS is not a new product. It is, as we would call, a Me Too product. And as such, we our ambition was and 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 continues to be is to be the the, the cheapest product in the market on that sector. So uh, when you compare us to competitors, we simply are the cheapest by way of expense ratio, uh, according to my data. And what's the expense ratio today? 15 basis points. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is pretty cheap. So obviously you talked about RNA, how chips are very uh, important when it comes to the security of a nation today. And speaking of security, I want to talk about your cybersecurity ETF, the X-Tracker Cybersecurity Select Equity ETF, ticker symbol PSWD or password, another great ticker. Obviously, with the world becoming increasingly digital, cybersecurity is top of mind for a lot of companies out there. But why should investors consider buying an ETF that 
specifically targets this theme? Uh, yeah, very. Uh, it's a very similar, I would say, uh, thesis, if you will, compared to chips to the semiconductors. It obviously is a is a slightly more narrow scope than than semiconductors. Is looking specifically at password or as at the cyber security. But really, the, the the rationale is very similar. It's, let's say, in a world that is increasingly interconnected, such as ourselves, where vast transactions, but also everyday transactions, and in particular, if you live in, in New York City, even some of the most mundane things, such as going out for a grocery shop, are now being handled online. A large degree, large sums of money, uh, money exchange hand uh, on a daily basis online. All of our identities, if you will, are likely to be stored uh, online to some degree. Um, uh, most of my personal passwords are saved, stored in some cloud, and I'm personally really hoping that cloud is very safe. And the, you know, the more of our identities, the more of our everyday lives touch, you know, that interconnected world the bigger the need is to have security uh, in that world. I personally sleep better at night knowing that the provider of the cloud storage where my things are saved on, it takes cybersecurity uh, very, you know, uh, very seriously and makes sure that there is no leak, that my data, my social security number, my passwords for the different accounts, uh, my they're generally the login details for for things, whatever might be the case, tax returns, that they don't all of a sudden find themselves in the public domain simply because these aren't public documents. And for that, uh, you know, that is, it's, it's all, it should be a given. It should be something that we never ever have to worry about. Um, but it's, it's nevertheless extremely relevant. And so making Investable such a relevant theme for us was important. It's, uh, you know, both in both cases, chips, password, as well as upgrade are designed to reflect individual themes that have real life applicability. And, you know, even someone who, who may not necessarily be too much in the weeds and in, in financial structuring or everyday investments um, sees relatively easy a rationale for why those themes, uh, three themes are relevant and therefore uh, why it might be a meaningful consideration to to invest potentially invest money in companies that are really experts in these areas. No, absolutely. The investment theses for these funds are very compelling. But when it comes to password, you mentioned how chips, your uh, semiconductor ETF is kind of a me too product. Is that the same when it comes to your cybersecurity product? Because there are about a half a dozen other cybersecurity ETFs out there. Yes, absolutely. So, so both password and chips are designed to be inexpensive Me Too products. So, as I said, the same applies for password as well. With twenty basis points, according to my data, we are the least expensive option of all cybersecurity ETFs in the market here in the US. Fantastic. Well, we're gonna have to leave it there. RNA, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights with us. Thank you for having me. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find this and all other Exchange Traded Fridays episodes on ETF.com or on any major podcast platform. See you next week.